Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, another weekend of sports in the bag. So many things happening. I think the headliner was way back on Friday night with the Jazz getting beat by the Clippers. And you're going to play some of the post-game comments from some of those guys coming up in our next segment. Um, now, the Clippers turned around and lost to the Nets. Controversial finish. Was that really an offensive foul on Kawhi Leonard? With eight seconds left in the game, that's not a call that gets made very often. And James Harden ought to feel very fortunate because, number one, he got beat. (laughs) He was beat on that play. And he got the call, and they were both pushing and shoving going down the lane. There was bumping going on. It was I thought it was absolutely no-call territory. Actually, I thought it was kind of no-call territory if it had been the middle of the second quarter. I thought it was definitely a no-call at the end of the game. But Harden sold it. He flung himself backwards. And, you know, from different angles, it, it looked different. So you can go back and go over a thousand things in that game. And I think one of the key things to go over in that game, Harden had 37, and I think Kyrie went for like 28, and uh, Durant didn't play. He's been out four games now with a hamstring issue. Um, and the question is, are the Nets going to be better with all three, or are they better with two guys? Is three just one cook too many in the kitchen? Now, if I only had two, I would pick Durant and Harden. And I think most of you would pick Durant and Harden. Um, but Harden and Kyrie got it done. They beat the Clippers. It looks like there's um, four or five teams in the NBA that are on one tier. Depends what you think of the Phoenix Suns. You know, the Jazz have the best record, and they're two and a half games up on the Lakers and three up on the Clippers. The fourth best record goes to the Suns, who are four and a half games back of the Jazz. Now, you got to go down to sixth or seventh best record before you get to the Nets, but they are coming. They are coming. They just finished a 5-0 road trip, beat the Lakers and the Clippers and the Kings and the Warriors and the Suns. Now the Lakers were shorthanded. They didn't, they didn't play. And you can say what you want about the Suns, but they've won seven of the last eight, and the loss was to the Nets. The Nets uh, sweep that road trip 5-0. They have won eight straight games against Western Conference teams, including the Jazz. Jazz, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, the big four. They beat them all. They have won, uh, going 5-0 and on the road, they hadn't won four straight road games since 2008. What a terrible franchise. Darren Williams didn't win four straight road games the whole time he was there? Are you kidding me? It was that bad? Four road games, it's not a lot. Think, especially in the East, where there's some bottom feeders. I think you put together a four-game, you know, you beat somebody good on the road and you surround it with three games against bottom feeders, and boom, there you go. 13 years? That seems unbelievable. But the Nets look really good right now. They look really good. And the Jazz have the best record, but you have to strip away some of the other numbers. The With that loss, the Clippers are now 16-4 and four when they have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Both guys played in the Friday win against the Jazz. Neither guy played in the Wednesday loss. Both guys played in the Friday win. And both guys played in the loss to the Nets. So they win 80% of the games when they have their guys. Now we'll have their guys in the playoffs. You know, we'll have to see. Uh, so that was a pretty interesting game with the Nets and the uh, and the Clippers. As far as the Jazz Clipper game, we'll get that post game coming up. Uh, the Jazz shot the three really poorly, and I thought they struggled to get good looks at three early in the game. But I thought by the middle of the second quarter they were solving that, and I thought they had some very good looks in the second quarter that they missed, and then they had some more open shots in the third quarter and they hit them, and that's when they made the run. You know, they were down 15 in the second. I think they got it down to 8 at the half. They were up 4 at 67-63 in the middle of the third quarter. And I was thinking, they're actually going to win this? They're going to sweep the Clippers? And we were talking about this on Tuesday and Wednesday that, you know, the easiest default 
projection, not knowing who was going to play and who was going to sit. And as it turned out, most of the guys sat one game, but not two. Everybody came back on uh, the Friday game. Uh, but the most likely projection, not even knowing that, was a split, which is what it turned out to be. And, of course, the Jazz take two out of three from the Clippers. They've got the tiebreaker if they end up with the same record because the Jazz beat them at home uh, on New Year's Day. And both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George played in that game. So good win for the Jazz right there. Uh, but they got to hit the three. And Donovan's got to be better in the first half. He had six points at halftime, finished with 35. Uh, and part of it was foul trouble. And I thought he was really tentative. He didn't want to get the third foul before halftime. And he didn't. Uh, but it, it was a very quiet first half. And this is something we've seen. It's not just this game and the foul trouble, although the foul trouble explains it in this game. But this is a trend that we have seen not only all year, but across multiple seasons. Um, so, And there is something to be said for seeing how a game is going and adapting and then playing better later on. There's a lot to be said for that. Uh, but at the same time, on behalf of greedy fans everywhere, how about seeing, figuring out, and adapting earlier? How about anticipating and dominating for all four quarters? It sounds like a lot to ask, and it is. And I know it doesn't sound good, and some of you are shaking your head, DJ. You greedy weasel. But it's very clear to me that the Jazz are playing at a very high level. And PK and I were telling you they were contenders back in mid-January. I think most people believe that now. But contenders can still get you beat in the second round, right? Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, somebody's got to go out in the second round. And what about the Suns? they got to go out in the second round. I mean, it's, a good, it's brutal. It's a brutal. So you got to be very good. You got to be excellent. You can't have any, can't have any cracks in your game. You know the Jazz are interesting in that. Um, not that they haven't signed free agents because obviously Bogdanovich, um, but they've been built the old-fashioned way through the draft, trades, finding guys who are overlooked. And they're going to compete with two LA teams and a New York team, and all three of them have a whiff or the stench. You know, depending on who you root for and where you live, <laughs> of big market teams. You know, landing uh, dream teams, you know, add water and stir. And, you know, Durant went as a free agent to Brooklyn, but Harden, Harden wind his way out. You know, and LeBron went to the Lakers as a free agent, but AD, they tampered to get him out of there. And Kawhi Leonard went as a free agent to the Clippers. He said, well, I'll, I'll come if you go get George. And so they went and traded for him. So they all have this kind of super team aspect, this kind of AAU, you know, go to a glamour market and... and and put your all-stars together and go. And there's three teams built like that, and there's the Jazz. And if the Suns can play their way into this, then, okay, the Suns are built a little more like the Jazz because they they drafted a couple of their young stars, and they went out and acquired Chris Paul. So, you know, the Suns and the Jazz would have more in common. Um, You know, can the Suns turn themselves into a glamour destination? At one point, I thought they were in the 80s and 90s. Now they're not. That was a long time ago. The Sarver era has been a problem there. Um, but you get the point, regardless of how it plays out with Phoenix. Jazz is going to have to be really good. You know, they're playing every one of those other three teams has a Hall of Famer, for sure, 100%. And they might have two or three. You know, and do the, is Kyrie Irving going to end up being a Hall of Famer? He's got a lot of career to go. We'll have to see how it pans out. Um, Durant definitely is. Harden easily could be. I think Harden probably is. So I think the odds are there's two there. And then if they win the title, the odds on Harden just go up. I think Durant's first ballot. LeBron's first ballot. AD, we'll have to see how how he performs uh, with LeBron and after LeBron. But he certainly got a chance. And if you go to the Clippers, Kawhi's going into the hall for sure. Paul George, we'll have to see how the rest of his career goes. Um, 
So there just isn't going to be much room for error. And if you're not the one seed, you could have to play those three teams all in a row. You know, Clippers and Lakers in the second round. If you win that, you get the other, either the Clippers or the Lakers, whoever is the top seed in the, in the conference final. And then the Nets could be waiting for you in the NBA finals. could be a brutal path. So you're going to have to demand excellence. Every detail. Excellence. Every detail. Over and over, which is basically what Quinn does. Joe's pretty much told us that. Uh, the other sports on the weekend, Tony Finau. Heartbreak. Great Sunday round. 64. Plays his way into a playoff. You know, as he was playing 18 um, and Homa was playing 17, it looked like, wow, he's, he's got a chance to just win this. He's got the lead right now. But uh, Homa hits a great second shot and has a really short birdie putt. So all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now they're tied. And he had another birdie putt. And how that did, that was such a short birdie putt, and it didn't go in. It was so short. And then he loses in the playoff, and credit to Homa for getting out away from that tree and closing the club face. I don't know how he got that ball onto the green, but he did, and he made the putt. An unbelievable up and down. And Tony Finau frustrated again right there, so close to victories. now 1-3 in playoffs. Uh, 64 on a Sunday, you got to circle that. That's awesome. Um, but he did have a putt to win it on the first playoff hole. That one hurt. But he caught a break on 18. You know, he never could have been in a playoff. So onward they go. That is the end of the, the Western swing there. I think they got to go to Florida now on the PGA Tour. And as far as the college hoops, uh, painful for Utah State. Two chances to beat Boise State. One point game with five minutes to go on Wednesday, and they lose. Tie game with three minutes to go on Friday, and they lose. Just couldn't make the big plays at the end of the game. And so uh, I think they're very much a bubble team now. Could go either way. They got Nevada this week, Friday, Sunday at home. They got to win those. And then you got to see what they can pull off uh, in the conference tournament. I think there's four good teams at the top of the league. I just don't know if there's room in the tournament for all four of them. So you got to win. Those two losses hurt. Boise State put themselves in a great position. I think the Broncos are in now. Um, Aggies have work to do. Cougars just don't mess it up. You know, just don't mess it up. They've done the work. They've got themselves not not on the bubble, but well into the tournament. Um, you know, will they be a seven, eight, nine, ten seed? How will that play out? Just don't mess it up. You know, win the games you're supposed to win. And man, did they go to Loyola and win the game they were supposed to win? They got up thirteen to two. They were up twenty in the first half. They were up thirty in the second half. I mean, that was that was exactly what they needed to do. And every BYU fan should have been thrilled with it. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll hear from some of the Jazz in the postgame next. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz got beat by the Clippers. Uh, felt like a playoff game. You're going to hear Rudy Gobert say that in a few minutes. Um, you know, there were key mistakes down the stretch. It was a winnable game. Uh, the Jazz with a couple of good pushes when it looked like they might be out of it, but didn't make the right play at the right time. And Donovan Mitchell will cover that. But let's start with the coach, Quinn Snyder, first. Coach, you took him all the way down to the wire. What are your thoughts on the way you guys competed tonight? Well, you know, they're obviously, you know, a really, really good team and tough to handle, I thought. The offensive glass, their offensive boards in the first part of the game uh, hurt us where they got a few, um, you know, threes off 
off some of the uh, their offensive rebounds. But you know, I, I I like how we competed. It's you know these are the games that we've talked about that um, whether you win them, obviously, it'd be nice to win it. Um, but we're you know trying to get better, and uh, that's where our mindset is. And you know, as disappointed as as you are that you don't win the game, you know, this is another situation that we want to take and you know, use to get better. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Q, it seemed like there were stretches, you know, especially like kind of midway through the fourth quarter where they take uh, Kawhi and Paul. Come back. I can't hear you, Eric. Can you guys, Olivia, can you let him know we can't hear him? Yep. Hey, Eric, we can't hear you, and I unfortunately can't mute you. Kind of the, the focus in, in, the, in the situations like that. Hey, Eric, could you? Eric, I. I couldn't hear your question, Eric. Um, I heard the, the last part of it. I heard Paul George's name. Um, yeah, sorry, Wi-Fi went out for a second. Uh, okay. I, I was talking about that stretch kind of midway through the fourth where they sat out Kawhi and PG, and it seemed like you guys maybe had a chance to go on a run, and instead the Clippers expanded the lead by four, I want to say, in that stretch. How did you okay. feel? Okay. You're out again, Eric. Let me let me try to answer the question. Can you guys? Can everyone hear me? Yep, you're good, Coach. Okay. So I, I, during during that stretch uh, of the game, you know, you'd always like to um, to make up ground. You know, when when those two guys are out of the game, um, you know, I felt like we continued to attack. Um, there were some situations with. You know, if we could have got a few shots to fall, we may have been able to make a little more of a run, um, you know, and they were able to, to build a lead during during that that stretch and and beyond. But I, I thought, you know, both Kawhi and PG made um, made some big shots. Um, Kawhi in particular, you know, got to his mid range and uh, particularly when they were small. Um, it's tough, tough to handle when they have shooting around that. It's very difficult to help. And he's so, um, he's so good in, in that mid range area. Ben Anderson, castlesports.com. Quinn, you've talked a lot about the value of learning to play with a lead. Is there also value in learning to play from behind and, and what that can do the rest of the season? Yeah, I think, you know, every situation, you know, has its challenges. Um, obviously it's, you'd like to, have to learn, you know, to play with the lead tonight. That wasn't the case. And um, I think you saw, you know, our team that, you know, was competing and um, you never know what the game's going to look like. And that's why, you, you know, you keep playing and keep competing. Last question, Andy Larson, Lake Tribune. When they had success with that small lineup uh, with Marcus Morris at center, how did you guys want to defend that? And kind of how, you know, how do you want to compensate with those kind of looks when, when teams play you that way? Well, that, that's a tough matchup, you know, for, for us, for anyone really, um, because they just put shooting all around the floor, um, you know, and you, you want to be able to try and help. 
Um, but then again, you know, you, it, it's hard to come off anybody. We, we, we came off Pat Beverly one time and he made a big shot. Um, you know, the next time they missed, but we didn't get a rebound. Um, we changed matchups a few times and, you know, when you are in those situations, you're going to give something up and, you know, we, we have to be able to scramble, you know, when we're in rotations. And as I said, sometimes that makes it even more difficult to come up with a, with a big rebound, but give, give Pat credit. You know, he, he made a big shot. He's a confident player, you know, and I, I don't know that that stretch necessarily cost us the game, but to your point, Andy, you know, when they do play Morris at the five, it is a unique lineup because he's such a good shooter, too. All right, there's Quinn Snyder, his thoughts after the Jazz lose to the Clippers. Now, here's Donovan Mitchell, who will go over in detail some of the plays that they botched in the final five minutes, and I think he's going to be spot on as far as the rebounds, uh, his shot selection, and I thought he was probably a little harder on himself there. It was a little deep, and it was early, but it was also wide-open look, and he's hit those shots before. But the fact that they didn't hit that three and they gave up three at the other end, huge turn of events. And then you just can't give up the offensive rebounds. Those with a minute to go, that was that was a major problem. Uh, here's Donovan. Don, Coach was said that he was pleased with the way you guys competed, and there's a lot you can take away from this game. What is it that you learned from this one tonight? Um, like he said, you know, we competed. You know, at the end of the day, you know, to start the game, you know, they played solid defense. They made they made tough shots. You know, they're they're a good team. They're you know, and that at the end of the day, we 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 lost the game. I would say on the boards. You know, I think that was second chance points. I think that's what really hurt us. You know, but if you look at the overall game, you know, we played solid defense throughout. But you know, they just they came out there and got the extra little boards and, and the rebounds. And we just got to do a better job of that. I had one. JC had one. We all had one. You know, I think that's what we can look at and say, okay, how do we fix these mistakes? You know, and I think that's what I say whenever whenever we win games. I say we're not trying to be this team in February. We're trying to be there in, in July. And you know, I think this is a this is a, a bump in the road and a good one, in my opinion. I think this is something we can look at and say, okay, you know, we stayed with them, but this is what separated the game. And um, I think that's we, I'm I'm proud of the way we played and competed, like you said. But there's definitely room for improvement in that area, and you know, we got to go out there and do it. David James, KTV. Donovan, it looked like you uh, had some issues offensively that you were solving as the game went along. Can you kind of speak to that? Some of the things you figured out as you put together some runs later you couldn't do early? Yeah, I mean, I got to give credit to Pat, man. Like, you know, he's his first team all defense for a reason. Um, made my life you know, hard to start the game. You know, he kind of set the tone, you know, and I think that was just, you know, credit to him. You know, I, I give him, I'm giving him credit for that. But for me, you know, you know, seeing that and finding ways to just play through it, you know, not necessarily putting the ball in the rim, but kind of finding guys, using myself as a decoy in certain instances to get guys open shots, you know, and I think letting the game come to me naturally was tough you know, when I had those two fouls, but then when you get to the second half and, you know, you're not worried so much about getting that third one and getting that fourth one early. Now you're starting to be aggressive. I'm starting to be aggressive and continuing to get into the lane and attack. And, you know, um, but, you know, as far as the struggles, the, the, the early struggles, you know, I give Pat his credit, man. You know, he's, he's a hell of a defender. Um, they all did a, they all did a good job, but, you know, as a group, you know, I think it, it helped me, you know, kind of get going when, you know, guys are kind of seeing, telling me what they see, you know, being able to share the ball, being able to bring the ball up, being able to score, doing all those different things. But, you know, that's where it started. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Don, how was it to have uh, Mike back? 
see the start of the game. <laughs> uh, man, he's, he's, um, he's, uh, it's great to have Mike, you know, someone you come out there, you know, can give you seven, nine like that, you know, then maybe it's five assists like that. Maybe it's five rebounds. Just, you know, having his presence out there is huge. You know, on top of that, his defense, you know, obviously he was on a little bit of a restriction tonight, but you know, that's, that's, we miss his presence for sure. We miss his, his game, his play. Um, in my opinion, you know, he's, he should be an all-star. Um, and I'm hoping he is, I'm praying he is, and you know, he deserves it, but, um, it's definitely good to have him back out there and competing. And, you know, as, as he plays more, we'll start to, you know, get back to it, but, you know, didn't look like he missed a beat, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you. He's been working hard in, in practice and, you know, in his, in his own time and kind of doing the treatments necessary to stay on the course. And you saw it tonight. Tim McMahon, ESPN. Donovan, what significance do you take out of this stretch where you guys have won 20 or 22, whether it's maybe you've proven something as a team or, or strides that you've made? Uh, I think, you know, the biggest thing is what we see in ourselves. You know, it's not so much proven to everybody else. I think the biggest thing is we're taking away how we win games. You know, yeah, we've won – it's like 16 game by double digits, but you know, some of those games, it's a four point game and then we blow it open. You know, you look at a game like this, this is probably our first game, first close game in a, in a while, you know? So I think there's just continue building blocks, you know, some of them happen to be through wins and tonight was a loss. Uh, but I think for us, just understanding how we go about games, you know, our execution late game was, was, was great. And they may, the shot may not always go in X late game, but tonight was good. You know, it was a good sign to see how we can execute plays and draw up things and execute them on the floor. Um, you look at other games, you know, the way we respond, you know, they're getting hit first, the way we hit first, you know, there's so many different things that we've seen throughout this stretch. But uh, as I said before, Tim, you know, we're not here to, you know, be satisfied with what happens today, tomorrow, you know, we were getting ready for, for the, the long haul second half of the season and then playoffs, you know, and we got to continue to be this team and not just be this team in the first half of the season. Maxime, the free agent. Uh what uh, did you miss in money time? You you make uh, three points, catch three points, but uh, what do you miss exactly? Sorry, I didn't I didn't hear the part. Sorry. What do you miss in money time? You, not from you, but from the team. What do I miss as far as like? What, what did you guys need to do? Oh, okay, okay. Um, I think the biggest thing, you know. I give Royce his credit how he guarded Kawhi down the stretch. We got to get in there and help him out on the boards. Um, those two offensive boards were winning plays by Kawhi, and we got to get in there and help him. You know, he played great defense to force a miss, and we got to be able to have his back. You know, I think those were costly. Um, about the 442 mark, you know, I had gotten to the basket, you know, before, and then I shot a three, and they come down and hit a three. That's a seven-point game, and then they have to climb uphill from that. You know, that was a bad shot selection on my, on my part. Um, but we did a good job of competing. So there's definitely little things that we can, you know, look at it and try and fix. But all in all, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. And I think the way we defended, the way we guarded, the way we went about the whole entire game, I think we can look back on this and, you know, say, all right, this is what we need to do, but not hang our head because it wasn't a bad loss for us. I think we can learn a lot. I think there's a lot of things we can um, continue to do well. All right, there is Donovan Mitchell, and now here is Rudy Gobert. If you felt like it was a playoff game, well, you're not alone. Listen to Rudy. Hey, Rudy, Coach said that this one tonight is a learning opportunity for you guys facing a full-strength Clippers team. What did this one show you? I mean, it's a, it's a very good team. You know, they came out rested. They came out ready, and, uh, you know, they, I think the, it felt like a playoff game. You know, the, the intensity, uh, the tough shots that they were making all night. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great opportunity for us to 
no, just keep getting better. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, you guys got out rebounded, uh, offensive out rebounded, eleven to six, and then the second chance points were sixteen to eight. What guys? What can you do better? You know, obviously they're a long team, but what can you do better against them in, in the rebounding category? Just uh, you know, get hit, get physical, and get get the boards. You know, obviously uh, when uh, when there's Kawhi, Paul George posting up, you know, and uh, we get cross match. Uh, you know, the other guys just go and, and crash and we got to find a way to, you know, uh, communicate better and uh, just box out and get, get those rebounds. You know, I think uh, I think that was the key tonight. You know, we they hit a lot, a lot of tough shots, contested mid-range, and uh, that's kind of what they do. You know, some nights they're going to make more, some nights less, but uh, if you get those rebounds, uh, you know, we, we win this game. Quick follow-up on that. Is that harder when they have Marcus Morris at center and you guys are kind of scrambling to figure out how to cover all five of their shooters? No, because I'm comfortable guarding that. You know, at the end of the day, uh, whether it's Ibaka, Marcus Morris, or Zubak on the boards, you know, uh, when when Kawhi, when Kawhi gets an open lane, I mean, I have to, I have to do something. I can't just stay on on, the, on Pat Beverly in the corner. You know, I have to make sure Kawhi doesn't get a dunk and... Uh, you know, and if uh, if Pat Beverly is gonna hit threes or contested threes, we're gonna you know we're gonna leave it that. And he hit two tonight. There's Rudy Gobert. Now here is Mike Conley. Welcome back, Mike. I know it wasn't the outcome you wanted, but how nice was it to be back out there with your guys tonight? Um, it was it was great to finally get to get let off the leash. I I like to say, you know, been waiting for a while to to get out there and play, and um, been feeling good for a while. So. I'm just really happy to be back. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Mike, how, how encouraging is it that, you know, you guys obviously didn't play uh, your best game tonight, and there are things that can be cleaned up, but even so, you were kind of right there with them at the end. Um, you know, it is encouraging. You know, we knew that this team is, uh, you know, one of the top teams in the league, especially when everybody's in the lineup and, um, their ability to, to cause problems both offensively and defensively throughout games are, are, are what we're going to have to compete against and, and, and have to beat in order to get to our ultimate goal. So um, for us to play a game like we played tonight and to be able to finish the way we did and execute down the stretch against a good team like this, um, I think it's a great lesson. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, how how important is kind of the All Star nomination? Yes or no to to you? Would that I mean, what would that mean if you were nominated? Or kind of what are your thoughts on that right now? Um, you know, that would be, mean the world to me. Obviously, um, it would say a lot about you know me as a person uh, after the year I had last year to come back and um, compete at the level I've competed at, and I I do feel like I played um, well enough. You know. To, to be in that conversation and to, and to quite frankly be, you know, one of those reserves. So um, I think that uh, this year, you know, just everything is, is falling into place where we are the best, you know, best record. And, you know, we got a coach um, coaching the team, you know, the West team. So um, it's all falling in line. So if it's not going to happen this year, man, it's, it's, uh, that'll be tough. There's Mike Conley after the loss to the Clippers, and he would absolutely, definitely like to go to the All-Star game. It's, uh, 
I think there'll be 13 All-Stars in the West, not 12, because it doesn't look like AD is going to play. So, But it's going to be tight to get in because it's easy to make a case for 15 guys. And it doesn't look like there's going to be 15 spots. So musical chairs at the end. All right. Uh, we'll uh, get to more on the NBA next. Shane Young joins us, covers the NBA for Forbes. Spent the week in L.A. because the Clippers played the... Uh, the Jazz a couple times and the Nets, so he got to see some of the best teams, and he got a Laker game on Thursday as well. We'll get to Shane next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to listen to Shane Young from Forbes. He joined us late in the show on Friday. His thoughts on the NBA and how things are stacking up as we near the All-Star break. Here's Shane Young with PK and I. Shane, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. So I'm curious, are you in L.A. because it's L.A. and it's February? Or were you drawn more specifically by the Clippers and the Jazz twice and the, the Lakers and the Nets? Or you were escaping Texas and freezing weather and... New Jersey and freezing weather, and American yeah. freezing weather. <laughs> good point. I got to say, uh, as good as the Jazz are, as dominant as the Jazz are, the the pull was more towards um, escaping where I'm from, Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It was 10 degrees, ice, and snowstorms, and I'm not cut out for it, man. <laughs> yeah, we can understand that. That's for sure. I grew up in Phoenix and uh, worked in the Los Angeles market here. So I got you on that. I understand that completely. And I think that's part of the reason maybe why the Lakers have been so good for so many years. We're approaching the, uh, not quite there, but uh, getting closer to the halfway point of the season. Uh, Evaluate the Western Conference for us. The West is is in a weird spot where I thought it was going to be really loaded and really deep from probably one to seven in terms of not you know not all seven teams or eight teams being title contenders but at least you know on the same plane as that 2014 season where it was just loaded with you know 50 win teams or 2008 where I think you had to you had to win 49 games to get into the playoffs but really you only see three legitimate title contenders or you know, finals contenders in the West this year, when really we 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 would normally see a lot of teams that uh, had a punter's chance. And the East is a different story. The East, there's two teams that have really stuck out: Brooklyn and Philly, and then everyone else has dropped off from there. The Bucks are just very stale this year. And so the E or the, for the West, what I'm seeing is two teams that are that are. You know the the Lakers and Clippers. They're they felt like they were on a collision course for the last couple of years to meet in the West Finals and kind of like you know battle it out to see who's the best in LA. It didn't get to happen last year. Um, the, the bubble, the, all the circumstances behind it, kind of ruined the Clippers' chances last year. And now you're you're in a, it's a scenario where the the Lakers and Clippers are looking at, at each other, saying, "Look, we might not even have it this year because the Jazz." Are twenty four and five on pace for sixty eight wins, 
over a 82 game schedule, which is just absurd. If you think about those Warriors teams with Kevin Durant, they the most they won with KD was 67 games. So like for the Jazz at this point in the season to be that good or better is just it's it's honestly unbelievable. I even I think even the most optimistic Jazz person, the the most optimistic Jazz homer wouldn't even say that they expected this type of offensive production. Like normally you see, you know, you, the the Quinn Snyder teams, they share the ball, they are moving constantly, but they're but but the shooting and the efficiency just isn't quite at the level that, that they want. This year, it's been the opposite. One of the, if not the best shooting teams, because of how many guys they have, they can just shoot forty plus percent and, and and light it up from the corners. And then you have team, and then you have players that can get downhill like Donovan Mitchell uh, and really finish at the rim. So I think I think it more so it's the Lakers and Clippers looking, you know, looking around and saying, hey. We might have to play in the second round instead of get to the conference finals because the Jazz, honestly, in my opinion, I think the Jazz are going to run away with the one seed when it's all said and done because of how easy their second half schedule will be. Do you think that the Lakers, once they see they can't get one and think there isn't that much of a difference between two and three with Anthony Davis hurt long term here that they're really going to throttle back and maybe even throttle back on LeBron who's playing every game and playing big minutes and mm-hmm. carrying a big ch- chunk of the load. Do you, do you think the the Lakers kind of downshift here and or do you think they make a move and try to uh, add some talent and go for it? It's a great point you make because in theory, like if you're a coach, like if I know if I was a coach, I would definitely use the post-All-Star break, you know, the last, what, 30-something games to pick out a few for LeBron to rest and for LeBron just to not play, um, to, to gear up for a playoff run. Now, that that might mean that you're going to end up the four seed or the five seed. You know, the Suns currently at fifth are 17-10, and 10, only two losses behind the Lakers. So it's not it's not, like, inconceivable that L.A. could drop down there without Anthony Davis. Because, you know, Frank Vogel said that AD is going to be out at least another four weeks. Now, people took that four weeks and ran with it, thinking he's going to come back, you know, March 18th. He said that that's just an estimation, so it could be even longer. So I think I think the Lakers are going to drop back. Um, they play a lot of good teams coming up, I think. And then it, it's also a scenario where it, it, Frank Vogel's in a weird spot, and I and – I, don't envy this spot these in um, because, you know, LeBron has historically said, at least over the last three or four regular seasons, he is not taking games off. And it, it, it would be a different story, man, if, if he wasn't, like, chasing and hunting this MVP that he, that he, for some reason, wants to prove that he can get. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, you would think that just the, the finals MVP and blowing through teams in the in the playoffs like he did in the bubble would be enough, but he seems to want that validation to to get the regular season MVP that he thinks he was robbed of from Giannis, uh, which he wasn't, by the way. So I, I think I think it's I think LeBron is going to have more of a say on that than Frank Vogel. Oddly enough, even though you know Vogel should be able to say, "Look, LeBron, you're going to rest at least ten games so we can get." So we can get you fully geared up and fully healthy, and then Anthony Davis will be back. You'll both be 100% for the 
for the first and second and third rounds. It, it, so honestly, I think the Lakers are going to fall to four or five, um, but that's not going to that's not going to be an indication of how good they are. So I agree with you as far as even the biggest jazz homer, and we're in the land of jazz homers, didn't have them uh, to this level. I don't think anybody did. My realistic thing as we went into the season was that if things broke their way and, and played as well as they could, they'd have a shot at the two seed. I thought that was possibility, mm-hmm. but I wasn't saying that it was a lock and that they should be able to get that fairly easily. I thought things had to go well. And now one seed obviously is in play. So with that in mind, my expectation of a potential two seed, now talking one seed, what do you think as you've seen is the difference there or the surprise there that allows uh, somebody like my case to say, well, two seed is the ceiling, but now, no, it's actually one seed? Yeah, I thought, you know, the ceiling, that that's kind of where I was too. Like, they could potentially beat out one of the LA teams if, if they struggled. Now, I'm you know, I'm not sure, like, if you guys have been following me for a while, but I, I I still believe the Clippers at full strength with their healthy lineup are the best team in the West. And, you know, if you have the lineup of Pat Bev, uh, Kawhi, PG, Batum, or Marcus Morris, whichever you prefer, and Serge Ibaka, I think that just offers the the best switchability, the best spacing and shooting in the league. Uh, but we just haven't seen enough. I think that lineup has only played maybe 13 or 14 games together. They lost two games. So it's, you know, the, the Clippers have an availability issue. I don't think they have an on-court issue right now like they did last year. So I think if the Jazz just continue to do this, and look, I mean, nobody likes this comparison because it's it's the freaking Warriors, but um, <laughs> they, they do have the best point differential in non-garbage time minutes, you know, it's like right there with the 2017 Warriors. Um, it, so if you just take out all the garbage time where Quinn Snyder pulls his starters, pulls his main guys, and playing his bench, um, and only count like you know the 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 competitive minutes, Utah's on that plane. So um, I, I think I think the Jazz, you know, people are going to say even the people that pick them to be first or second, like you said. Uh, I think what I would tell them is we we still have to see it in the playoffs to believe it, and that's that's how it's going to be for all these teams. Like a team that's never won the title or or that's never been to the finals uh, in the last twenty plus years, it's not you know you're not going to get the validation unless you do it in the first and second round first and get to the conference finals, and then people start to like take you seriously. I've never been of the mindset it should take that long. I think regular season play is pretty indicative of how good you are. Um, but, yeah, I think there's people that's still going to be nervous about how can Donovan Mitchell score against switching defenses in the playoffs. Like, how can he score whenever the Clippers and Lakers are switching bigger and, and more, you know, like physical bodies onto him? There's always going to be questions like that. And then, of course, like Jordan Clarkson having just a phenomenal season. I, I, I can't believe it. I'm sitting there in person on uh, Wednesday night. And seeing him pull up with virtually no space after ball screens, and that's something that his confidence really his confidence has always been high, but he he didn't have that type of confidence with the Lakers or Cavs. So it's it's jarring to see him turn into one of the best pull up shooters in the NBA now. <laughs> um, but how can he do against switching defenses off the bench? 
like in the playoffs in the second round when it's game five, series tied 2-2. There's always going to be questions like that, man. And until they do it, they're not going to get the validation from the national guys. And that's unfortunate because, you know, a, a team this, a team that's dominant on both sides of the ball should be getting looked at a little bit more. Joined right now by Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, working in L.A. this week because Kentucky's really cold and L.A.'s got big NBA games and it's really warm, so it works out. Uh, You know, the flip side of that is kind of like part two to what you just said is yes, the Jazz have to prove it in the playoffs, but it's also hard to assess this because two of the teams that look like really strong contenders, the Nets... And the Clippers mm-hmm. aren't putting their guys out there. We're not seeing them at full strength. So while the regular season can be a pretty good indicator of how you are, we also know that the the number one seed in the playoffs hasn't won the thing the last three years. You can be two, three, or four in the regular season and get it. And if the Nets and Clippers aren't going to play their guys, how are we supposed to figure this out? Yeah, precisely. And you would think that it's a it's. You know, when you say it like that, you would think, oh, Nash and, and, and Ty Lu are just, you know, not playing their full cards. They're kind of just keeping things in their back pocket. But no, like, it's just been, it's been one of those weird seasons where Kevin Durant's issue is hamstring related, and they're not even comfortable putting him out there because they know how a hamstring injury can linger. And the health and safety protocols have kept them out for, what, three or four or five games. So. Uh, it's you know the Nets have just gotten unlucky. Uh, the Clippers, it's it's really kind of the same thing, man. Where Paul George has a toe injury that you would think, oh, okay, a toe injury is not that bad. He could play through it eventually. But hey, it's it, I've seen those injuries keep people out for three or four weeks because he just doesn't heal up as fast as other other parts of the body. It seems. And Kawhi, Kawhi's issue has just been like he. He got busted in the mouth by Serge Ibaka on a freak accident play. Cost him a couple games. Uh, health and safety protocols cost him two more games. And then he has a, a I think it's, they're calling it a bone contusion on him in his lower leg uh, that he suffered against Cleveland last week. So that they're kind of being cautious with him. And you know, actually, funny enough, I think Ty Lue might be. I know Paul George and, and Kawhi are kind of like not healthy enough to play right now. They they could play tonight. They're questionable. We don't know yet, um, but he's the coach that I could see kind of like just throwing away these games against Utah. You know, Maybe throw away the games against the Lakers down the stretch of the season uh, because they play the L.A. Lakers two more times uh, because he, he you know, first year head coach with this team, uh, I, I think maybe it's like, a, oh, let, let me just not show everything that I have. Let me let me keep this unit rested for the playoffs so, so the Jazz and Lakers don't have much film to go off against us to know how we're going to play against them. So uh, I could see it being that kind of scenario with, with the Clippers for sure. So for the sake of argument, let's slot the Jazz in at the number one seed and also for the sake of argument that they get past whoever is in that concocted eight spot. So my point that I want to go with you is the second round. And right now we don't know, but there's two or three teams, maybe you want to go four teams that could potentially play the Jazz in the second round. Can you evaluate who you would consider the most dangerous? In the second round? Yeah, the potential Jazz matchup in the second round, knowing that there's mm-hmm. maybe two or three teams that could be a possibility. Who do you I like? I think the there? answer, yeah, the the answer is undoubtedly the best 
the best shooter, the best scorer from a from a point guard position that I've ever seen. That's Steph Curry. I, I would be frightened. Now I, I completely understand that Denver is a better is a better team overall, and you know the Jazz definitely have uh, a little bit of nightmare from from the Denver Nuggets. You know, considering what the Jokic dropped thirty five and a half against them this year, <laughs> and then also uh, you know beat them in the bubble in that in that really tough seven game grind. But I I would I think I would easily pick the Jazz over the Nuggets in a series this year, maybe in, you know, five or six games. I, I, I think whenever they're rolling, I think Utah's defense is just so unbearable to to a team like Denver. So I think it would be – I think Utah would would kind of fare pretty well against Denver this time around versus in August, September. Uh, but I, I think the Warriors would be a team that, you know, even though the shooting and scoring around Steph, and you know the Jazz blew them out when they went when they were in Salt Lake City. What was that a few weeks ago? So I completely understand why people might roll their eyes about that, but I, I just don't think you want to get into a battle where Steph could go for forty. He could average forty five for the first three games in the series, and it could be two one Warriors, and you know people would, would be freaking out. So I think that might be the team that that you. You're not going to try to avoid them. The Jazz are going to continue to win games as they should to be the one seed. But, but you know, if Golden State's lingering there and they're they're in the play-in tournament and they end up the eight, then yeah, that that could be a little alarming because you know I don't care how dominant Rudy Gobert is defensively or how dominant Mike Conley has been when he's been healthy guarding point guards. Uh, Steph, there, there's no solution for him pulling up 35 feet uh, behind the screen. There's just no solution for it. So of the Blazers, Suns, and Spurs, who are currently four, five, six, is there, I don't know if I want to call them a fraud, is there a weak link? Is there someone that is a Jazz fan, you're like, yeah, that's the the breather in the second round? Well, like the Spurs have been been strange, right, where I don't think that, I don't think a lot of people really just look at them as this genuine six seed at 16-11, like they just... They have a negative point differential. The Spurs at five games over 500 have been outscored on the season. So um, I'm not, I don't know if I'd call them a fraud because no one's considering them to even win a, a couple games in the playoffs. They're not even expecting that. So uh, they're kind of just there, right? They're, they're there because of Pop and the young guys that are thriving. So the Spurs are there, but they're not serious. No, no one would take them seriously in the playoffs to, to, to me. Uh, the Blazers... The Blazers are fun because, like, on paper, when they're healthy, they should be where they are now. They should be, uh, you know, winning 65% of their games. They should they should have an MVP candidate in Damian Lillard, which they do, and it, it things should be fine. But they haven't been healthy, and they're still here. So I think they're more on the legitimate side. Um, but, but, again, like, uh, the benefit of Utah not ha- not – being in that bracket or not being there, um, you know, well, they would have to play Portland in the first round. So, you know, that that is kind of that is kind of crazy if if they do get Dame Willard, uh, or not, not in the first round, in the second round. Sorry. So, they might have to avoid Dame Willard and stuff like that, and it might be easy for them to do that at getting the one seed. So that's another benefit of winning, just kind of kind of uh, you know dictating your own path through it. Um, but you know, Portland would be kind of kind of serious to me. I I don't think I would be concerned if I was a if I was a Lakers, Clippers, Jazz. I I wouldn't be concerned about Portland. But it's a team that you you might have to just pencil in for like a a good long 
six game series just because of how they shoot the ball. Uh, but you know, I, I've always been fascinated by Phoenix too. I'm not sure how you guys feel about the new look Suns, but I kind of thought they were going to be like this league leading or or close to league leading offense and maybe struggle defensively just because you know a lot of their guys are still kind of young and then you bring in Chris Paul who he's he's really good defensively but he's you know not a spring chicken. I thought they I thought they might struggle on that end. But it's been kind of the opposite. They've been like, you know, league average offensively, uh really really good at, at certain points on defense. Uh do I think the Suns are a title contender? No, but being in the 4-5 bracket there that, that that's that, that that's the perfect spot for them. So there is a clear separation line, by the way. Like after the third team, after the Clippers, which you could argue, you could even argue the Clippers are the best team in the West uh, from a playoff standpoint. And you know, there's a good line of demarcation under them that says the rest of the West is kind of kind of just eh. You know, it's kind of like Eastern Eastern Conference level talent after the third spot. Well, Shane, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for uh, not going down to the beach and hanging out with us. <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah, anytime. I'll, I'll talk jazz over laying in the sun anytime. There's Shane Young from Forbes, covers the NBA, based in Louisville. That's the right time to take a trip to L.A. right there. That was a good time for a week in L.A. Big games, good teams, and much better weather. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, the jazz, the NBA, college hoops, uh, great day of PGA golf on Sunday. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us.